NFL podcast. Believe in a thing called love. Just listen to the rhythm of their hearts. <laughs> Welcome. Oh <my> <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Come again? <laughs> From the Indianapolis Convention <laughs> Center, welcome to Around the NFL. Dan hands us on a, uh, a riser filled with heroes. Many of them, anyway. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, and the Wolf, Connie Fox. Yo. That, I, I feel like the money reads have been pretty fire lately. Like, we're, we're rolling in that department. I love that one. That's a good one. In fact, as a, as a uh-oh. Turn it up in my oh. headphones. <laughs> What's that here? How could Wes not like this song? <laughs> There's a wolf. There's a wolf. There's a wolf. <laughs> Just such a great song. It is. Lasting over the convention center. <laughs> Everybody loves it here. Um, so great was Money's uh, tag today that we're going to have him on the show later. Here at the Combine. All right. Still going. If, if, if Ricky's going to leave it high in the mix, I'm going to listen <laughs> to it. Beautiful. Uh, Money and Lance Zierlein are going to be here a little bit later uh, to give us a, a primer. Kind of you, you gave me that word earlier. That's right. I'm assisting in words today. It's good to have assistance in words because last night uh, was a big one on the town in Indianapolis. We had dinner and drinks and uh, uh, yeah, the fact that we're on the stage, Connie, shows, again, a level of professionalism <laughs> mm-hmm. that you don't see everywhere. We faced a lot of adversity today, right. and we have fought <laughs> through it. And I think that we I mean, we we're taping this at 4 p.m. Shut up, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> no one needs to know that. Let By them the have way, their human victory. I, I brought you guys a gift. You and did? It's what? On, it's on the ground, because I forgot to bring it up, in that nice. bag over there. Nice presentation. A suspicious Erica, bag, by Erica, the way. Erica, can you grab that bag real quick? It's for you, too. Um, this is something that oh. I absolutely <laughs> thought of you guys for okay. when it was bought. And essentially, I just need Legitimately to... Legitimately excited to see what I this is. I just need to get this out of my hotel room. The, the real gift well, is, like is the um, bitterness and yelling that Erica's going to give you later. Like so for having made Ricky her do was that. really nimble up and down the rise. I'm, I'm giving you guys all of my snacks because they cannot be in my room anymore. So I have okay. pr- I have a half a thing of Pringles. Well, this is not even half. This I is have like a, maybe a fourth full. Reese's Thins <laughs> that are individually wrapped. These oh, are good. Those are opened as well. Uh-huh. I have some popcorn in here, some fruit snacks, some Why cookies. Why do you have all this food in It's weird room. that you would just be ordering all that stuff um, at like one in the morning. Some chocolate covered almonds. Yeah, munchies perhaps. <laughs> no, well, I was just hungry. Um, right. So, you know, when it hits, it hits. You are, you're a wonderful <laughs> woman, and thank you so much. And you're welcome. We'll give, and because we are a gentleman, Erica, you get the first draft pick Ooh. of the grab bag. Uh, Mark, as a fooditarian, we're going to slot you in at four, but then you get to double up there four or five. That seems fair. Yeah. I mean, not all the items seem slightly concerning well, based on what I'm looking at. But and the, okay. pr- and the, uh, the Pringles, I know I'm not supposed to mention them by name, sorry, uh, are, it's, it's half eaten. The already, unique so potato chip shape. There is only Why half can't you them. mention them by name? Not a sponsor, not a paid yeah. sponsor, Greg. Yeah. You know, you're a broadcaster. Don't, uh, Pringles. Don't give them the milk Pringles. when you can... <laughs> Have right. sex you're with the cow? Or no, that's that no, that certainly isn't it. not that the, the saying. <laughs> not Why the pay for the cow if you're getting the, the milk, milk for, for free? free? Yes. <laughs> I like mine better. Let's get into the show. <laughs> yes, broken. Lance and Money will talk combine guys they are in love with, the guys that are jumping off the page um, as they begin the process here. You know, drills will begin 
uh, in a couple days here in Indianapolis right after we fly out of town um, because the press conferences for the coaches and general managers are over here at Indianapolis, and that's why we're heading out of town, but the combine is just getting going. So Lance and Money are going to give us a nice primer on that. Also, guests galore. Um, Bengals director of player personnel and a leading figure in that organization's rise Duke Tobin will join us, a former Chris Wessling favorite. Mm. I, I remember uh, a feature Chris wrote uh, at the Combine about Duke Tobin. I think that that's a good example of he wanted to be a Bengals fan secretly, that he enjoyed that mm-hmm. they actually had a real personnel guy that wasn't a member of the Brown family and at the time we thought had built maybe the most talented roster in the league minus their quarterback. Yeah, and Wes was not a press conference guy where he's, you know, marching around yelling questions at person A, B, or C. <laughs> but Tobin was like the he one guy. He did like four or five he, yeah, questions he, 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 in he a row for that article. He fired a few off at him. So. Yep, yeah. that, I mean, that tells you so much <laughs> if Wes was firing off presser right. questions. Uh, also, the head coach of the Houston Texans, Lovey Smith, will join us on the show. But before any of that, let's uh, get you caught up on the news of the day from Indianapolis. Hey, whatever Tom wants to do, Tom should be able to do. He's given us all enough, I, I think, at this point in his life. And, you know, if he if he thinks he's done, then he's done. If he's not, then it wouldn't shock me. Do you me. believe it? I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Josh McDaniels, new coach of the Raiders, longtime offensive consigliere to Tom Brady up there in New England. Yet another uh, voice in the chorus <laughs> expecting Tom Brady to be back, maybe not this year, but next, a little taste of this uh, this day in Combine history. I, McDaniels was very uh, loose and, like, laughing a lot. He almost is pointedly presenting a different figure than he did in Denver, like knowing the mistakes uh, that he made there. But it's it says a lot where we're at that he got more questions about Tom Brady than he did Derek Carr, <laughs> who we don't know, like, his future in, in Las Vegas. Yeah, well, that is the, the power of Brady. Let's get into the news. Uh, big news around the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, we talked about it on Tuesday's show, uh, Kyler Murray and um, all the drama that is around Murray and his agents, uh, Jerry Maguire-esque uh, mission <laughs> statement about the future, and the Cardinals say they want him back. There's all sorts of melodrama, and then a little, Greg, this is interesting, out of nowhere we learn on Wednesday that both General Manager Steve Kime, Kimebaum and Head Coach Cliff Kingsbury, a lightning rod figure, are there for the long-term signed to multi-year extensions. Connie, this had to be surprising to you. It was to me. I didn't see this coming, but it's good news. It's good news for us because hopefully this means that there will be a resolution at some point with Kyler Murray because now they can focus on getting those negotiations done. Obviously, these negotiations for Kime and Kingsbury were being done behind closed doors because that is what's normally done. That's what's normally done with the players too. But this whole thing with Kyler Murray is playing out so publicly. The statement was so aggressive from Eric Burkhart, but he also reps Cliff Kingsbury. So there's a ton of communication going on between the two of them. Um, Steve Kime said that he's had constant dialogue with Burkhart, obviously about Kyler, but I just, I didn't see this coming. It was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I wonder if it leads to a split, though, because it seems like mm. if you're Kyler Murray, this power struggle took sort of like a hard right turn into darkness. He's had a, a, just a terrible three weeks in terms of his Q rating. Uh, we talked about the messaging from the agent 
you know, 24 hours ago. And it's like, who does the organization back? Like, we, you know, we talked about like this, the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll dynamic a couple. But how would that have gone? Well, it's like they clearly backed the coach and the GM. And it makes me just wonder if all these whispers that have been out there about Kyler Murray are coming from deep within the organization and that they don't want to look at this player as someone that right now they want to extend. He's forced his hand on that front. And it seems uglier to me than they than we ever would have thought two or three months ago this organization would be in this place. The more I read and see about this, I wonder if those whispers are coming from the very top mm. or near the very top. Because there was a column by Dan Bickley uh, on – Wednesday, that ownership is very likely seething about Kyler Murray's recent reactions, if you know the Bidwells. And and Bickley is a guy who's, he's like the guy, you know how every town kind of has Got the guy, guy as the mm-hmm. columnist? You need a guy. Yep. He's the guy. And you don't need to know that much about, you know, journalism to know he's, that you know where he's getting it from. And you know that he's not just writing that out there. And he was doing a lot of speculating about how, upset the organization would be about how Kyler Murray has handled this situation and maybe how he handled the playoff game. And then he also presented the other side of the argument, which is that there are a lot of players who haven't been happy with the Cardinals organization for a long time, including this very week when Steve Kimes spoke about how much they would like to have Chandler Jones back and Chandler Jones quote retweeted it with laughing emojis to the end of the line. Whoa. Like, he's using up that character count. And <laughs> Tyron Matthew, there's been other players that believe, and this was Bickley's words, but I just think you got to trust someone that knows the situation better than you, and I think it was very informative that you uh, have a lot of players that believe this group in Kime, who one person texted me this morning and said, like, what pictures does he have of the Bidwells? Because well, they just signed him to 27. That that players think that Kime and Kingsbury say things very differently in public than they present themselves in private and that they feel that they're a little mm-hmm. two-faced. Well, and we talked about it at the end of the season, and I was getting on Kyler a little bit, and Greg, you were more in the it's – it's a cliff issue. And the thing that I did agree I, – I did agree with you on was that Kingsbury – cannot get a pass for the way this past season ended and that the program, yes, I know they made it to the playoffs and they started great, but it was such an ugly fate. It felt like it negated a lot of the growths that you saw from the year. And it felt like it made sense that this was going to be an important referendum on Kingsbury this season. And you let the year play out and see where the organization is. And then you also can continue to track Kyler. Instead, they go all in on a GM and coach that to me still are not proven commodities and you potentially isolate and frustrate the franchise quarterback. What, what was up with 27 being the extension? What happened to 24, 25? Yeah. Like, who gets a six-year extension in the NFL? That part that's of it was not like very Super Bowl right, winners. Strange. This is like the Panthers and Sam Darnold, I feel like, just picking up picking up extensions. And uh, yeah. Listen, for me, I'm wondering um, why, like, how this – plays out in the locker room with his teammates Kyler Murray like when they see their quarterback scrubbing the Instagram and then doing this with it's an aggressive move that was an aggressive statement um, to put out there like how is that taken because I would be like come on man what's going on here in that article that Dan or that Greg is referencing talked about the fact that this is a player that, you know, there were whispers he took himself out of that playoff game. That's not going to look good to your teammates. Well, he refused and to go back into the game. But, but same, I mean, in general, in general, it's just yeah. like that's the exact opposite message you want to send is I'm your franchise quarterback for the next half decade or decade. 
and that maybe he looks at the money he's making right now. I think he's 38th in pay for stuff for quarterbacks and looks at baseball. He's a two-star athlete and mm. says, I could go to the Oakland A's and have a career that would pay me more money where I'm not putting myself in harm's way in an offense that wants me to dash to and fro with my feet. I think this, I think this is, I think this thing's happened. I think whatever the odds are, and we're, you know, this isn't a rainmaker here, and actually we're, we're really not <laughs> supposed to get into all this. But there probably are odds of if Kyler Murray's going to be on the Cardinals this right. year or not. And I'm sure it would be you'd be picking the underdog to say he's elsewhere. Sure. I think I'm taking that. I think I, See, I listen, think this Marky, I said that to you yesterday. I said, Marky, we don't give up hope. We could get a big domino well, here, no, though. Might, make the it might, it might take Hold a while because Bickley threw out Kyler for Deshaun Watson as one of Bickley, the two baby. major options. Almost that that they're trying to put that out into the ether as something like the, the Cardinals. Well, that could even that be, doesn't feel that right. Be that's next offseason or months so from now. so messy with that it actually, I can kind of believe it. But, Dan, baby with the bathwater, I was saying that in general, <laughs> the, the quarterback movement, there was all this right. nonsense and that we didn't know all this about Kyler as much a, a day ago, but all the other ki- quarterback movement, I don't buy into it all until it happens. I'm Wake me up. Wait, 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 where, what is with the baby in the bathwater? I don't know. What does that even – I because don't, I you never throw, got it. No, in general, you, you would throw dump, the baby you, out with the bathwater. You don't do that. In general, you don't throw the baby out. The bathwater is probably soiled to some degree. You want that out of your but house. Who, but who is that? Like a would that have been a problem back in the day? Like whoops, threw away the I baby. It's just, like it's, it's just, just general advice. They, yeah, if they didn't like it, kid. In the old times, you just leave them in the woods or whatever. Right. <laughs> That's my God. They don't do that as much the old anymore. Times. Well, not to, you're right. In the olden days. In other quarterback <laughs> news, <laughs> yes, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson is another. Huge domino, but I uh, like Mark saying uh, this one is uh, a situation. This situation doesn't feel like it's going to end with Wilson playing for a different team. The Seattle Seahawks and their head coach uh, were here. You know, probably betrayed it while we're at dinner, but that's that's yeah. fine. Right. Know. Well, you know, that would be wild. But uh, Pete Carroll spoke about the future and says oh, we don't anticipate Russell going anywhere. At this time of year, you know, there's conversations about everybody. We're talking about everybody. And that's commonplace for us to have conversations with teams about all of the players, particularly marquee players. And that's not changed. It's been the same every year we've been here. So it's the same as it's been. We have no intention of making any, any move there. Um, but the conversations, John has to feel those he always has. Uh, but nothing specific. Hmm. That's, what always, that's always annoyed me about Jamal Adams, now a member of the Seahawks. He got so angry with his former team, the Jets, for picking up the phone. When a phone call, we'll pick up the phone if you want to come to us with a godfather mm-hmm. offer. Um, in this case, it would be Russell Wilson. Uh, I think that makes sense, but at the same time, I think they know they're still better with Russell Wilson, especially where Carroll is in his career at age 70. I, d- I don't know what to believe because there was a report out there that like anyone calling Schneider, at least the answer right now has been he's not available. Which would make sense, sort of, even if they were interested in Tradium, that would be the leverage move at this point in the offseason, maybe. But I, I just can't imagine it. And I don't see where, where he would want to go anyway. It, it only makes sense to me in that the quarterback market right now is so bad for teams that need a quarterback because there's no one in this draft class. There's n- the free agent market is so thin. You have, like, ma- who knows what's going to happen with Rodgers, and then Wilson is the other name. So – a team could call up and just offer them, a, like, the bank. Well, the one team that stands out to me, because it, it, typically very conservative, Ron Rivera on the quarterback front, the way they've operated with quarterbacks in Washington so far, he's talked over and over, like, you might have to go 
spend a lot and go ma- make a big move to get the guy. But I just don't think the door is open for them because, and I, you know, I get all this could just be lies. Maybe no one on the planet tells the truth. But Russell Wilson also basically shot down the concept of going to the Commanders um, as a concept well, as well. So he has some choice in the matter. And if you're choosing <laughs> organizations, I like the way you said Commanders. Well, I mean, yeah. I just yeah. I'm still it's getting new. used to it. It feels, like feels like a name from a football movie with no I, it, NFL it's licensing. It's not too so. late to change. Well, okay, I guess it is I definitely it too is. late. It is. It They've already changed the crest, though. So At least they got know. that right now. Yeah. It is too late. Uh, Carol, one thing I found interesting in that presser, though, was he was fairly noncommittal about Bobby Wagner being back. When you think the Seahawks, mm. you think Bobby Wagner making a ton of money, definitely not like a top three or four middle linebacker like he used to be. So that that could be a surprise cut coming up. Interesting. That Ooh, where would he was slot in on the old Greg Rosenthal free agency 101? Ouch. Where is he in his career? I mean – it's tricky. I, you tend to over. I tend to overrate like the the name brand guys who you know maybe you get a couple good years mm-hmm. out of him when he shouldn't be that high, but he'd probably be in the top forty. In other <laughs> news, thank you, Greg. Ouch, fortieth. Uh, that's Take pretty down. good. There's like two hundred guys below Teddy Bridgewater. Exactly. Just, like just Greg in his mind was like, you know. all right, where is Teddy? Must the, put this player below the Teddy, Teddy line. To raise yeah. that's a real thing. Anyway. Uh, speaking Wednesday on Good Morning Football, which is a program on NFL Network. Connie, you are prominently involved in the weekend version. That's right. Saturdays, that but that's not happening in the offseason. So. Not in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't check it out. Get ready. We'll be there. Get excited <laughs> for the return. Wherever that's right. That might be. Anyway, John Lynch was on Good Morning Football, the general manager of the Niners. And yes, obviously, the questions around the Niners are tied back to the reports about where is Trey Lance? Where is his development? What's Jimmy G's future? All that. And uh, John Lynch says, don't worry. Anybody that's floating ideas that we're a little worried about Trey Lance, it's bull. It's mm. bunk. You know, it's pretty obvious. You know, we, we put a lot into Trey Lance, and we're loving the development of Trey. The development was was tremendous. I think Kyle did a great job of finding ways to develop them without playing uh, a ton of football. The fact that he got some action and got to go get a taste of it was great, and I, I loved watching him get better in those games. Sure. And, you know, I tell people he's everything we thought he was when we when we traded a lot to go get him and, and more. Trey is made of the right stuff, uh, both talent-wise and in his spirit, who he is, the intangibles. Uh, guys like playing for him. Guys like being around him, and and we're certainly excited all to right, see what right, he can right. do. Yeah, Connie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the old the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he's a lady. Right. But, well, they, you know, the they, saying. Another t- a term from olden days. So, the key yeah. there for me was, you know, they traded a lot to get him. So now it's time for Trey Lance to deliver to make sure that. John Lynch is proven correct. That's that's exactly what this is. Meanwhile, Jimmy G has to have shoulder surgery. And John Lynch also talked about that today and talked about the fact that a lot of teams have interest. He was, like, so open with Peter Schrager on GMFB. Schrager bombs all over the place. I know. Well, that's, a, that's like a for sale sign. I felt like, like this is a house that's for sale that you just realize you have to get a whole new septic system into, and now they're, like, trying to paper over it with, like, pretty pictures. You know, like, first of all, there's so many things to have problems with what he said. We like Trey Lance so much we didn't play him after Jimmy G had a a shoulder injury that he needed surgery from and that he threw the ball, like, 39% completion percentage afterwards. Like, they should have played Trey Lance. They would have had a better chance to make the Super Bowl. I will always believe it. It was was such a glowing – 
review of Trey Lance's yeah. rookie much. season it's that was quite mystical or strange to us. I mean, that's not how it played out on the field. So he, John Lynch also talked to Amazon about being a color commentator, which right. is, oh. is weird. And they have a lot going on this offseason. Jaquiski uh, Tart, Kwan Williams, Lakin Thompson, Arden Key, uh, a lot of free agents who played big time uh, minutes for them. So he's he's going to be a busy man. Yeah. So it's time to get that focus back in the San Francisco 49ers. You know, now that those negotiations did not pan out, those talks. Mm-hmm. By the way, came well, you're to saying you're saying he had the op. He we don't no, we don't know I'm the not details. Saying anything. I'm just joking. But <laughs> meanwhile, Al Michaels is still on the one yard line. I know. You know what Al's is going not getting on any with younger. that? Right. Either go into the goal line yeah. or, you know, I kick the field goal. I don't know. At, he's at least back at the six for a delay <laughs> of game. I need to know what's going on. Amazon <laughs> Amazon's has had Al Michaels at the one-yard line for three and a half weeks now waiting to see if they can get a partner. Right. He him. needs a partner. I and got I a guess lot of questions about this could've deal. Could have been John Lynch. Well, what about Connie right, Fox? What are your questions? Yeah. And Al Michaels. Just how it's going to work. What it's going to look like uh, beyond who's in the booth, who's on the road for the pregame show. No, how that work out? I, I got I a lot of questions, well, and I need some answers. I know someone who <laughs> had that Fox job. Connie Fox for TNF Sideline. Thank you. Hobron. There we go. That's why I came on today. Uh, <laughs> finally in the news, before we get to our wonderful guests, uh, first impressions of Mike McDaniel of the – Miami Dolphins, the new head coach. Everyone fascinated with the man. Big scrum of reporters around him. Mark, I know you had boots on the ground. Are you in love with him, or is it a Nathaniel Hackett solo joint for you? Not a solo joint. Uh, he joins Nathaniel Hackett in that world. Greg and I were, you know, <laughs> shoulder to shoulder watching Mike McDaniel speak. And it's just little the little ways that he phrases things. Um <laughs> Someone just asked a general football question, and, it, and he could have just said, like, coach speak, like, you know, we don't have an answer for that right now. The, the offseason will determine. He goes, we will adapt in ways it's impossible for me to forecast at this time. Classic alien behavior. By I way. love it. I adore it. He also said, um, <laughs> they asked about, like, you know, finding a, another version of Debo Samuel. He said, Debo wasn't found by looking for the next Debo. I mean, I just think that he is, hmm. maybe this thing in two or three years melts because, like, the football heads are, like, Get this sort of nerdy-looking guy out of here. He's not like the rest of us. Or he just fails. Or he 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 has more losses than wins. (laughs) That's probably the big thing. It's not going to be the bullies in the media sending him out. He is a departure in terms of how he speaks, how he looks, how he does everything, and I'm on board. I enjoy it. I am on record when he was hired. I was a little – I understand there's only 32 big chairs. I think there's a lot of built-in risk that he doesn't have control over around the Dolphins right now. Yep. Uh, So he's going to be facing challenges that are unique to him. Uh, potentially here that could really affect the trajectory of the organization. However, I'm with you when he's a different dude. He's got a different vibe. He's got a sense of humor. All that stuff is welcome in our league. I'm so happy about it. I got to plug in more on him because I was like, I missed the press Don't. conference. Mark already called him because we, Greg and I both like McDaniel. Uh, I mean, like, I, I like McDaniel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, we both got in on Hackett uh, okay. yesterday, too, and it bothered Mark. No, no, this so is I'm the offseason. Off I am not. Well, the hip-hop not, dancing is right. really what caught me, You should have seen I, how mad Mark was when he found out that I, too, I, I didn't, didn't I actually I didn't, didn't I actually a minute later turn around and say that I found it refreshing that you actually liked one of these coaches? Right. <laughs> what? Two things about Mark that you, you get to know is um, he falls in love easy and he's very possessive. Right. Well, that's not all the qualities. Like that's the, no. That's, that's just coming, two you know, main ones. That's just, no, you just <laughs> that's just, it's two. just like you think you know me, but you don't know almost two percent of me. Now that's I don't want to project happening. too much, but okay. I I like McDaniel up there because he's one thing as a coach that I personally think we need more of, which is spacey 
representation. He he seems kind of like a space. Okay. He, he is he's a little, a little spacey. <laughs> like in and I and I've talked to people who've, who've worked mm. with him and stuff. Like he's a little spacey. You know, he's hey, sort whenever, of mind is drifting. Whenever like you, you can, can have see the, that. the biggest trait of Adam Gase, you got to grab it. No, that's not in a bad way. Because look, I feel I'm a little spacey. Emika, my wife, is spacey. We come from long lines of families of spacey, and you don't usually see those those spacey type of people in the big chair. It's an experiment. It's nice. It's nice. Spacey bloodline. It's an experiment. <laughs> good luck to the men. <laughs> Not too much good luck. He's in the AFC East, but whatever. That's, That's, That's what's happening in the news. All right. Let's take a break, and then we are going to welcome in the great Lovey Smith. All right. This is real exciting. Uh, we are very happy to be joined by the new head coach of the Houston Texans, Lovey Smith, Lovey, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Thanks for having me on. Exciting day, exciting time, of course. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Texas guy, high school product, getting a chance to lead his professional football mm -hmm. team is pretty neat. Very cool. Plus, you get the vibe of our show right off the bat. I appreciated yeah. you. You seem to want to help Colleen when her chair started to break <laughs> as she sat down. Very. Did you notice their reaction? <laughs> yes, too. Uh, a lot of gentlemen down south. Well, we did, say we that. did very little, actually. That, that's that's also uh, up to par. So. You know, they also, you know, you were on the riser doing your uh, press. Uh, this is impressive. This is like family, obviously, loving now, us talking. But, like, <laughs> sure um, our, our colleague Mark is often laments that men's fashion is just not moving forward. But when you have the beard like that, that's almost a fashion accessory that raises mm. everything yeah. up. Yeah, I did want to just know <laughs> yeah. that because, you know, when we saw you in the past, the beard was not part of the milieu, but you've made an, a, a sharp and wonderful aesthetic right turn here. We love what, it. How did it come about? Well, times change. You know, I'm getting older, <laughs> number one, and you're kind of embracing that a little bit. But, you know, a lot of times you go on vacation, you just kind of let it go. Sure. And I did that one summer, and uh, mm. my wife of uh, 42 years loved it, so it's been with me since. There I like go. it. How has uh, this first month been as Texans head coach? One thing that struck me when you were up there, uh, you were asked about the Deshaun Watson situation, and you said you were uh, looking forward to putting it in the rearview mirror, that you, you couldn't wait for that to happen. Like, what will that happening solve one way or another do for you as a head coach? Well, just, uh, just sad. I mean, it, it's there. I mean, elephant in the room, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, Sean is a heck of a football player. And, you know, sometimes divorce is a good thing. and But you just want it to play out as much as anything. We're going to have a 2022 season, and we need to have clarity on some things. and uh, But time will do that, and I'm confident of that. And I can't wait for that day to get here. You said, you said that excellent players need to be playing somewhere. Just out of curiosity, when you take over as head coach, you were the D.C. obviously before, so you were in the building, but Deshaun was, well, he was in the building, but he wasn't on the team last year and all that. Did you have a one-on-one -on -one talk with Deshaun about whether there was any path forward with him in Houston? Well, I, I've i had uh, discussions with, with Deshaun just from, you know, last year of him being in the building. I, knew, of course, knew who he was and uh, enjoyed my time talking with him, but uh, we haven't had those type of conversations uh, since I became the head football coach. What are some of the advantages of being able to build this thing from the ground up? I feel like so many people look at the situation in Houston and they talk about how many needs are there and it's all about the negative, but that's got to be positive for you to know that you can build this thing from scratch almost. Uh, exactly. And my glass is half full and, when you do build it from there, I mean, 
your guys coming in, all coming in. We understand the situation, but we all look at the opportunity as much as anything. That's what how my, how my life has played out. It's about getting opportunities, and we have that. Uh, we have a model on what on what we would like for our football team to look like. Uh, you know, as I said, you know, being the head football coach here, you kind of start the process getting the staff together and guys that believe in this way that we're going to win football games. But it is about the players. The process has started. Being around Nick Casario last year, we got a chance to, you know, get our profiles together on what we're looking for at each player. And I think we did a pretty good job of getting some guys in last year. But to build on it, you know, from game one to game two, there's normally a pretty big improvement. Year one to year two, we're expecting a big improvement, too. I mean, we saw growth from Davis Mills. Yes, we did. And, you know, you at this point have to – you're in charge of the whole thing, and you're going to ask – you have to get a billion questions about who's going to start week one and who, who it would be. I mean, Davis Mills, I think we just had some draft nicks on who said he would be favorable to any of the quarterbacks in this draft. But do you feel like you need to go find competition for him, or, or do you feel comfortable rolling with him at this point? Davis Mills in general, I had a chance to be around him an awful lot last year. Got a chance to see his demeanor, how he handles situations. Uh, loved everything about him. And I, his error, of course, is pointed that way. But every position on our football team, you know, injuries happen. You need more than just one guy that you feel comfortable with. So that will be our plan as we, mm-hmm. you know, build this model of what our football team will look like. He was better than the top two picks in the draft. So it's a little it's a little sore subject with Dan here. He's a Jets fan, but yeah, we just, don't need it's to It's just a say fact that. that we watch the games, the last four or five games of the year. It's a fact. I'm biased, of course. We yeah. start with that, but I did get a chance to see, and there are some good young quarterbacks coming up through our league. But I thought Davis uh, compared with those guys, so that's mm-hmm. why you know Stanford guy, smart. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for, also. So, and you know, another year with Pep Hamilton, you know, coaching him. We're excited about it. I'm really interested about the perspective that you gained from, you know, this is your third head coaching job, having been in Chicago and Tampa Bay and then going down to the collegiate level Mm -hmm. at Illinois. So what did that – how did that change the way that you view things and and run things? Well, I I think every stop along the way I I learned something. You know, just experience teaches you so much. 2004 when I – first moved into that head coach's seat there was so much I didn't know I thought I knew and a lot of those things I mean it is different coming in you know I said some of the things as simple as I'm going to call defenses I I never understood why you become a head football coach and all of a sudden you quit coaching you know last year as a defense coordinator I coached the nickel position so some things like that and and just on how I'm going to do things um the best of who I am and, and all the experience that I've gotten from all those other situations I've been in, you know, hopefully the Texans will, you know, benefit from that. You hear that all the time. I, you mentioned the Jets, Robert Sala. It was written a lot. D.C. and San Francisco gets the job. He's in more of a CEO role. He's, you know, keeping an eye on all sides of the team. But it makes sense if your expertise, if you will, is defense, you want that head coach to be prominently involved with the defense. So I, I hear that. There's a lot of ways of doing things, and um, but I, I feel pretty strongly about that. And you look at, for some reason, too, defensive coaches don't do it. There's a lot of offensive coaches in our league. They're all call plays. So, again, I feel comfortable doing that way. And people say, well, there's not – there's so much other stuff you have to be concerned with. Well, yeah, and there's enough time to do that too. I mean, you were part of a, a Tony Dungy staff, and then, of course, you, you w- had a similar defense in Chicago. That, that changed the league because when you installed that Tampa 2, 
in Tampa within five or six years, ha half the league is playing your defense, essentially. And it's changed over the years. I kind of laughed that you got a question about, like, <laughs> what do you think about the, the new too high safety trend, like, taking shape of the league? And you were just like, like, do you know who I am? <laughs> like, what, what, what I wanted to ask was, like, how is your Tampa 2, though, and your defense now different than it was 20 years did you, ago? Did I you know really hit him with that? Did you, yeah. Did you know In a laughing way, but he well, did. Well, I was just joking That's with amazing. him, of course. <laughs> yes. But uh, everyone pause so uh, you could Google my name, sir. <laughs> we will wait. Well, because uh, I just think that cover two in general. Now, you know, most games are won based, I'm talking defensively, based on whether you can play man coverage. You have to be able to play man coverage, but there's zone coverage involved. And whether it's man coverage, 3D, you're playing quarters, the corners are some positions by themselves. The receivers are too good. That's why cover, I feel like cover two. We in our family of defense feel like cover two has to be a part of the defensive package. And most defenses in the NFL have some form of cover two. I haven't gone. I can't. I don't know if I've ever gone into a game with having, without having some form of cover two. I've always wondered when you're calling a game on defense, offense, how many people are screaming in the headset while you're trying to run the show down That's on the sideline. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people, but there's a lot of people also screaming in the stands. You have to be able to lock in, of <laughs> right. course, and, and have tone vision a little bit. Uh, but, we, of course, we have a process we go through, and everybody knows their role a little bit, but that's not much of an issue. Well, Lovey Smith, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck. We hope there's resolution at quarterback, and then the, it feels like then the franchise could really move forward, and it sounds like that could happen soon, but we, we're in a waiting position. But good luck to you this season. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Lovey. There goes Lovey Smith, and also it's time to say goodbye to Connie Fox, who is such a busy woman that you have to head over across the street to Lucas Oil Stadium. But we wanted to thank you. You've said it all. Uh, you know what? And I and I brought all the gifts. I'm going to leave the Pringles out specifically. Mm. Eh. No? I mean, I don't know. Do you what? Are you worried, though, that the people across the street who you're showing up a half hour late for to do this podcast are going to realize <laughs> where they are in the pecking order versus the Around the NFL podcast? It's something I've thought about, yeah. yes, <laughs> and I'm going to have to smooth some things <laughs> over, but I can I can handle thank that. You, thank you. All right, we'll see you at the old steakhouse tonight. I Later. See ya. There goes Connie, and uh, let's keep the uh, the show rolling here. I mean, Lovey Smith, nice dude. Liked him. He's, got, he's gotten three big chairs now. It doesn't happen a lot. And he certainly knows this is going to be his last shot um, to make it happen. As a, I mean, he went to a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, against the Colts. He's Long part of a driving ago. rain. Historic game. He really – This is what, that's why I hate that phrase. Like, you can't – you can't, You got to put people in the Hall of Fame if uh, you can't tell the story of football without them. It's like – You hate that or you like that? I don't like that because, oh, okay. like, I would say that's kind of true of Lovey Smith. I don't think you need to put him in the Hall of Fame. But I think it's true. He's sort of uh, – an well, architect of detailed a, your you story should, of should have brought is. that up to the during and, the interview. An that architect of a defense well. that changed the league and was yeah. part of the the first Super Bowl with two black head coaches. Uh, it's very Dungy, rare yeah. for a black head coach to get a third crack. It's almost never happened. Uh, only white coaches almost have gotten that opportunity over time. So he he's been a part of our lives, especially in the NFL, for the last twenty five years. Who is the the last I've, head coach that got a third job? Period. Any head coach. Yeah. Um, well, this is why Ricky. this is why Win West's right. toaster was hard. Sometimes when it's you ask on one. the spot, you while <laughs> ri while Ricky finds out that information, uh, let's uh, throw it to our next conversation. Uh, yes, uh, a, a favorite of Chris Wessling, a man that helped rebuild the Bengals. Duke Tobin, take it away, us. All right, this is very exciting. We are happy to be joined by Director of Player Personnel for the 
reigning AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. It's Duke Tobin. Still, as a lifelong football fan, a little strange to say that. The the <laughs> Bengals have gone from a place where they were long for a lot of fans, um, also ran status, to now becoming a superpower almost overnight. How does it feel to be a primary architect behind that happening? Well, we, we had something else in mind just uh, other than just being AFC champs. Mm. So, um, you know, you, you get the taste of it. You want to get back. You want to uh, You want to finish it. And so... Our focus isn't on where we've been. It's not about the past. It's it's where we are right now and where we're going. And uh, but yeah, it feels good. It it, uh, it uh, I'm happy for our players. We had a lot of players that kind of came together and uh, and and really played for each other. And the culture that Zach's brought is, is great. And so it's nice when that's rewarded we, on the field. We had Brandon Bean on the show, and he was talking about you know the way their season ended and heartbreaking fashion against the Chiefs before you slayed the Chiefs. <laughs> um, have you been able to go back and kind of absorb the Super Bowl and how that ended? Uh, not really. No. I know how it ended. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. I, I, You're aware. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know that there's much to do about it. Um, right. I but, gotcha. Uh, it, it ended and we moved on. And uh, is it easy? It's, it's not easy to move on. I don't know if I'm thoroughly over it yet, but I'm uh, – I, I, I get up in the morning and my feet shuffle and here I go. So <laughs> that's uh, that's about where wow. I am with it. But no, I haven't uh, I haven't dwelled on it. I I don't go back and uh, grind on the tape and see what could have been. It I, I know it's what healthy. was. Yeah. Well, it's such a quick turnaround. I you know not to make it all about us, but it really hurt that taking that extra week out of the season. You add one on the back end, then you take <laughs> it out of what normally would be a couple of quiet weeks, yeah. and then you you guys are going straight from the Super Bowl here. It's only two weeks apart. Like. What is what are those two weeks been like trying to catch up? Yeah, it's um, it, it's your your team evaluation, your your planning for free agency, your planning for the combine. You know, our scouts have been working at it, so they they're they're up to speed on on what's going on. But um, yeah, it's uh, you you can't dwell on on what just happened. You got to just you know grind forward and see you know where where you're going and but yeah it's there's not a lot of time there's not a lot of time it's a long season and uh you know our players deserve a rest for sure for so many years the bengals were categorized as you know not spenders in free agency uh smaller scouting department maybe doing things a little atypically to some of the other nfl teams but in recent years that's completely changed you spent a lot of money last offseason and then the year before what happened inside the Bengals organization to take um, on this new approach I don't know on the on the spending thing I I know what's said uh, I, I don't know that that's really ever been the truth um, you know over the past uh, you know the beginning of the last CBA you know over over the different tranches in that we've been an upper half of the league spending team and so I, I know what's said um, I don't know why it's said but cash to players, we're, we're spending on players. And uh, do we, we continue to do it. Sometimes we spend on our own. Each team's different. Uh, sometimes you have to spend to keep your own. Sometimes you have to go out and, and recruit others. And so we've gone out and recruited others because our team demanded that. And this year it'll be a blend. It'll be a blend of trying to get our guys back that, that we know and like and, and going out and seeing if there's guys that can uh, advance the ball for us. But uh, in terms of our scouting staff size, 
it, it fits for what we do. It's what I want. I like working closely with guys. I like having a tight-knit group. I like relying on the people uh, that, that we have. I like uh, letting them grow in their role and feeling uh, a sense of importance to what we do. So if you got the right people, you don't need a ton of people. Uh, now, you need a ton of people if you don't have the right ones, and then good luck. <laughs> determining who that's to how we do this show uh, how do you how do you how do you determine uh, who to listen to if you have a ton of people and you don't trust any of them uh but if you got a small group that you trust you, you know who to listen to you think you spend a lot again this year because you got a lot of cap space again well some starting uh, spots uh, we we will we will use the resources we have to make our team the best we can make it and uh, we've never had restrictions in that area and and we'll continue to do that but it's going to be a blended approach because we got guys that we want back we've got a number of guys that we want back and so we'll see if we can make that happen that's a director of player personnel answer that you just got right. so very you got savvy. served yeah, by savvy. duke uh tobin it you know it's interesting because everyone looks at how this season not just how it ended but the playoffs that Joe Burrow struggled uh, to uh, stay on his feet. He got taken out a lot in the divisional playoffs, happened again in the Super Bowl. So there is this oversimplification that comes from bozos like us to say, that's it, Bengals, fix your offensive line, and you'll be right back in the big game. (laughs) But at the same time, it is oversimplified, Duke. But isn't it also kind of true that it is the offensive line that, that you have to focus in on and improve to take the offense and the team to that next level? Yeah, uh, you know, the the thing, I'll give you a player personnel director answer on this one, too, because uh, I know you like it. But here, here's the thing. Yes, the sack numbers were up. But the other data to look at is we had two receivers go over 1,000 yards, a third almost. We had a running back go over 1,000 yards. Our quarterback led the league in passer rating or maybe he was second. Uh, we were a top 10 scoring team. And uh, our yards per play, we were a top 10 yards per play team. So the offensive line factors in all of that success as well. So yes, there is the piece of sacks, but there's a lot of productivity in between those sacks. And, and so we've got guys we believe in and wanna and wanna work with. And yes, will we go out and see if we can get better? Absolutely. We're gonna go out and see if we can get better at every position, but that's every off season. That's that's what we that's what we do. So yes, is it something that we're going to look closely at and see if we can improve? Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit and say that the the offensive line is a reason we didn't finish the last two minutes of the sure. Super Bowl. Mm. But they're they all have one thing in common. They're all AFC champions, and and uh, my hats off to them for the job that they did. There is, because everything you're saying is true about the production of the offense was yeah. excellent. I think. And we've talked about it on the podcast. We love watching Burrow. He's such a great, exciting, charismatic guy that you actually get where he has the serious knee injury year one. He gets takes more sacks than any other quarterback in the history of the playoffs. Now they played four games, obviously. You right. played four games. So that factors in as well. But just the idea of, yes, he's going to produce because he's a baller and that offense yeah. is great around him. But how do we protect him so right. he doesn't have his career impacted by all these hits? Well, you know, I, I, I've seen Aaron Donald play against other teams other than <laughs> us. Fair, and, uh, fair. And, and, you know, we kind of had murderer's row uh, on yeah. the defensive line uh, on our path in the playoffs. And, and those guys do it to other teams other than just us. And uh, so maybe part of that is uh, if we don't have to play Aaron Donald, and Chris, Chris Jones. <laughs> Avoid and, those guys. You know, Oakland's outside edge guys. And, I mean, we, we had uh, Tennessee's defensive line was one of the very best in the league. And, and so our guys had a tough, tough chore. And, uh, you know, hats off to Joe for hanging in there and making it work with, with a very tough chore for, for an offensive line one, to deal with. One thing I loved about the Bengals this year was how you handled your own division. I mean, just 
absolutely taking the Ravens apart twice. <laughs> I mean, just I, you've been there for so long yourself. Just a Browns fan, it, by the no, way. He's a Browns fan, so he enjoyed you guys I, taking I, the Steelers I just, and the Ravens yeah, I think, out. I think it was just like it's, it was a long time coming, and something about it felt like um, sports justice on some level. But was there a time for you maybe when those games were happening compared to where we were in September thinking, oh, damn, this team is good. Like, like <laughs> we, you know, in the summer, there were a lot of these narratives about, you know, all this stuff. You maybe took the wrong guy in the first round, all these other things. Everything kind of panned out well for the Bengals. You were healthy. You peaked. But was, was there a moment where you just said, we're sitting on something special here? Um, you know, we, we felt that early in camp with our team and, and how the unit was coming together. And, and I think how people rally around Joe and how the defense was starting to form up and, and play as a, a real unit. And so we felt it very early. You know, the plan is always to win your division. And, you know, we got nothing but respect for Baltimore and Pittsburgh, believe me. Right. They're uh, great organizations. Didn't and, hear Cleveland mentioned there, but and, that's okay. Well, we, we, <laughs> didn't, we didn't beat Cleveland Lost twice. We actually, we actually lost to Cleveland uh, both times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but your question on Baltimore and Pittsburgh, uh, that's the plan. Uh, we we respect them a lot more to know that uh, that's that's not going to be the norm. We're going to have to battle with those guys, and um, you know it's uh, it'll be fun. Don't to try see to put Duke in the corner. <laughs> you can't put Duke in the corner. I attempted to, it didn't work. <laughs> you failed. <laughs> yeah. What what is it like about Jamar Chase that makes him so special? Because he's someone like we've watched, and it al- it's almost like I'm not sure what he does that makes defenders look so bad. Like how, like how he gets that open? Because it's not like just pure speed. It's not like raw athleticism maybe all the time. And yet I would put that rookie season with any rookie season in the history of the NFL alongside yeah. Randy Moss. Well, he is fast and he is athletic. Right. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I just mean like there are uh, other receivers a, there, that way, a, and he, he yeah, elevates himself in a different of, way. Of, of all the traits that you need, and, and he really lacks for none of them. And, and the strength in his play is is really important because because he can run through jams, he can run through guys on his in his hip pocket, um, and, and I think the confidence level he plays with, and then obviously you know the the cohesion he has with our quarterback, which which was important to us, and and he's obviously got that, and 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 they have a real vision together when when they're out on the field, and it's it's just kind of natural for him, but. Um, he really doesn't lack in any kind of physical trait, and then his confidence is great. Do you, do you feel like you can kind of like kick your feet up and not worry about your skill position players? This entire group is going to be going up yeah. against those Browns, and they're signed through 2024 at the least. Higgins, Boyd, Chase, Burrow, Mixon, all together at right. least for three more years. That's Does this that seem like a kick your feet up on the right, table that, kind that's of That's a person? pretty rare – That's no. you know, though, that's a pretty rare thing for a team to have all those young players yeah. uh, all together locked up long term. And and we're happy that they're with us, and, and the, the plan is for them to be as successful as any, you know, quadruplet or whatever it is, you know, and you put Tyler Boyd in there as well, and – and, you know, C.J. Uzama and Drew Sample, you played really big roles in, in what we do. And, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it does feel good, but we're never satisfied. If we can get better, we're going to try to get better. If we can add a piece that uh, will give us a niche that we think will make us more explosive or, or harder to uh, defend against, we'll, we'll do that. And same on defense. I mean, we've got a lot of guys up that we want to get back because we think the unit's uh, cohesive. But... You know, it's every year is a is a slog. I think we got 46 guys under contract, so we got a long way to go before we get to 90. I don't want to break news on your behalf, but I feel like one position you will not attempt to upgrade this off season is kicker. 
<laughs> Let, I mean, let's talk about I mean, let's talk about Duke Tobin and the Bengals knocking their draft out of the park. Jamar Chase was a brilliant receiver in year one. He wasn't even the best player in the draft relative to position because Evan McPherson was <laughs> perfect, uh, especially when it mattered most in January. I know, obviously, you thought highly of him to take him in the fifth round because a lot of teams don't even do uh, get into that business. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, talk about something – having a vision and then it hitting exactly how you want you can't beat what McPherson gave you uh it, it really an impressive guy to be around because he is uh he is tough as nails uh in in uh he he just doesn't get uh rattled ever and that's what we saw and and he certainly got all the physical traits you want and and in my humble opinion we we've really got the best special teams coordinator in the league and and guy that can can instill confidence in guys uh fix problems when they when they uh when they come up and uh you know in Darren Simmons and and so that combination was was fantastic so yeah we probably won't be adding at that spot <laughs> if you yeah. have if you Light have one up. if you have one you have enough Evan McPherson is the player that made me realize that I'm very old because he looks 13 to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was yeah. kicking in an Alabama <laughs> high school like four years ago, and now he rules the world. But let me try to make a headline here. But how about Evan McPherson watching the halftime show at the Super Bowl? That's just <laughs> inappropriate and unacceptable, right, Duke? I uh, I didn't see it, so I, I, I didn't see it. It was, wor- it was worth seeing. I, I wonder if you have any stories of, like, Bengals fans over the last – month because unbelievable we have an experience you know we, we had a uh, a co-host on our show and uh who was no longer with us he was a big fan of yours actually wrote, wrote a great article about you i remember like six years ago chris uh, you know, about oh, yeah chris yeah. wesseling building um how you built up that first roster in 2015 you know you, you've been with a couple coaches now in, in Cincinnati. but we had all his his brothers come to the super bowl uh to watch you guys and just meeting all the bengals fans that were out there for the game I don't know. There was some sort of joy and something special about him. I didn't know if you if you had any stories it was, it about what it was awesome like. It was awesome to put our fans on display for the world to see because they, now the world knows what we know. They're they're football savants. They they love the Cincinnati Bengals and they'll show up. And uh, it, it was in Tennessee the the crowd we had at that game and then afterwards uh you know it was fantastic the amount of people that were still in the stadium cheering for us at the end of the kansas city game was fantastic i mean just really impressive and then out at the super bowl i i it was who day nation out there so uh you know just it, it was great to see the world recognize you know what we know about our fans they were still happy afterwards. That was the thing that got me. Like they were <laughs> yeah. just like, "Well, we made it here. This was yeah. fun." They were still in a good mood afterwards. It's it just is. Something. It's crazy. I'm a Jets fan. Uh, full disclosure, and I've never been able to enjoy going to a Super Bowl. But walking the concourse um, at the game and seeing all the fathers and sons, and we're talking like middle-aged men with their elderly fathers, yeah. and you're thinking this might have been the first time they've experienced a Super Bowl together, and like. There's a lot of responsibility on someone like you and on the yep. head coach because these teams are like the fabric of the community in a right. lot of ways. So I'm sure as disappointed as the, the way the game ended, you gave people that experience in a lot of ways. So good job. We, we feel that. I mean, we know we're, we're beholden to the city and, uh, and to our fans. And that's, you know, we, we do the best work we can. We work as hard as we can because we want the product to be something that they're proud of. And, and our fans have been great. Do you get noticed around town? 
Um, no, I'm pretty incognito. I normally you got the hat on I, right I, now I, too. I normally, so I normally wear a hat, yeah, and uh, and just uh, kind of bald, uh, hide my bald head. And <laughs> I got uh, in a fight with my dermatologist, so he uh, he got the better of me before I came. So, I <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to listen to the dermatologist. Yeah. Uh, Duke, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, best of luck this off season and uh, everything that's to come in 2022. Thanks, Appreciate Duke. it, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate right. it. Yeah. All right, there goes Duke Tobin. I like I like the cut of his jib, Cecil. Easy to get along with. Uh, it concerns me that most of these guys now seem about half a decade younger than I am. Uh, they used to seem like adults, and I was a child. Mm. But uh, th- I can see why Wes dug him. I think that he's got incredible, like historical, organizational data on the Bengals. He's been there through it all, and he's got to be feeling himself right now in that city. He's five years older than you, buddy. How about that? Very unassuming in that hat, Well, I just too. felt older. It wasn't like yeah. an expensive hat either. It was just kind of the one that they gave him, I think. It felt well, he said he'd class. been to the dermatologist, so I think maybe it yeah. had some, some something going on there. protect the old Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Chris Wessling, right. that was something he learned. You have yeah. to protect the dome when you shave it down. Anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what? All right. Here we go. All right. This is. I know it's been an action-packed show, but we've saved the juiciest breakdown of the draft you could possibly find on the Internet for last, you're going to enjoy it. Uh, let's welcome in right now Matt Moneysmith and Lance Zierlein right after this break. And here they are. Lance Zierlein, Matt Moneysmith. They'll be anchoring the NFL Network coverage throughout the combine. And now they join us on the Around the NFL podcast. And, boys, we had a nice dinner out. Yeah. Salt on mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg and Mark weren't there, but it wasn't because they were <laughs> left out. It's just the way it happened. They weren't invited. And orga- yeah. We were organically not involved. Yeah, why, 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 I wouldn't well, even have thought about it, but then you just made it into a total lie. Just so you know how Dan, how Dan managed to join us. Uh, yeah. Lance yeah. and I were walking out, and Dan comes strutting in, his chest all puffed out. With he's food. got a steak and shake. He's got and food like, with him. Go, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just going to go up in my room, mash this burger. It's <laughs> like, we're going out to dinner. Why I had don't you a, come with us? I had an old whole game plan because Mark and I had a couple at the hotel lobby right after our taping on – uh, Tuesday, and then I said, all right, I'm going to slow it down a little bit. I'm going to smash the oh, smash yeah. burger or steak and shake burger, <laughs> and then I'll be back at 9 o'clock. Then we see these two guys in the lobby, and I, I go out, and uh, we had a nice time. Yeah, we did. We uh, did. Dan's tipping point came <laughs> at about 1, Ricky, what was it, 1, 1.30? Okay, about 1.30 when I say, hey, we're all we're all going to go, and Connie was with us. It was a great crew. It was uh, Colleen and Sarah and uh, – and I'm like, hey, we're all ready to go. And Dan goes, you know, I have time for one more? I was like, <laughs> oh, no. because he had bought the previous round, so I think intimating I'm some sure. sort of cheapskate. I'm like, sure, I'll buy you one more, fine. So I go to the bar, I get him his vodka soda. Oh, you got me that. Okay. And so I hand Thank it to you. him, and I'm like, well, I guess we're having one more. I feel like and we're talking about a different guy right now because this is very <laughs> interesting, this story. And uh, <laughs> and I know it's an audio format, but perhaps you guys can help me with the visuals. So Dan gets the – Gets the drink, and he's got his empty in this hand, and he carefully aligns the bottom of the glass and drops <laughs> it into the empty. <laughs> and then he takes a sip. Bad one. And um, I see him go, struggle to swallow it, and then he just looks. I'm telling you, he looked at the Tito's and soda for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> and I finally go, are we ready to go now? He's like, yeah, we're ready to go. This is That's atypical for Dan. Dan is typically, you wouldn't know how many because he's had. Any I, Irish goodbyes out of there usually. I had my game plan. Yeah. And the game plan never fails. But then when I audibled, 
that took the night in a different yeah. direction. I'd say that was probably your 15th. Stay with the call. <laughs> Stay with the called plays. The yeah. audibles often do not work. Yeah, off script. But yeah. he was a pleasant drunk. Uh, yes, I, I had a great time with you guys. It was and, fun. Uh, now, and again, as we said at the top of the show, it's not about what happens the night before. If the real pros combine week, you get up the next day and you perform on the stage of ours, which exactly is what we're right. doing. Right, we had a 2 p.m. call time, so I don't <laughs> that know helps. if that's, yeah. you know. It's that like, helps so much. It's like a regular war hero uh, over yeah. here. <laughs> I saw Greg in the gym this morning. He barely paid attention to me. I was like, hey, Rosie. He's like, boom. You just kept walking right by. <laughs> oh, no, like, no, Whoa. no. I haven't seen these guys for two years. I come back in, and there's a new alpha on the set. <laughs> and it's Greg Rosendahl. Yeah. Like, I don't know what Not happened true. over the last two true. years. Yeah. Something has happened that Nothing. Greg has usurped all of you guys' power. Very hungry for power. That's Nothing, never been, not been nothing's true. Nothing's happening. We we are taping this in such a way that Lovey <laughs> Smith is coming up soon. You're having a very nice conversation yeah. off to the side, which we, we all get caught in right now. Sure. We're friends. We've been friends long enough, Lance, that I knew what I would, you say? that it's you wouldn't stretch. be bothered you by just hearing just me Just reenact say, it. Like, Lance, let's go. That's exactly what you <laughs> yeah. said. And, and I said, I think yes, it, sir. And, it, we and I all, came up <laughs> and I jumped up. We were all taken aback, but at the same time, Greg, and I've been noting this recently, you've had these random acts of masculinity that keep <laughs> popping up lately. I like that. And this is just another one in the list. So something has changed, I believe. <laughs> they're not ra- realms. They're realms. Uh-huh. Random acts of masculinity. Yeah. They're not realms. They're realms. There's something that happens. It's very special uh, in every young man's life when they turn 43. They, be- they become a man. That's exactly what happens. And that, that's what happens. Not to exactly suggest you weren't masculine, but possibly to suggest that there's just, previously. There's a curve. It's going up. All right. All ben, right. Here we go. Let's talk football. Let's talk combine. Lance. Your, I don't know why money doesn't have one. I, I don't know what's going on. I was, uh, I was, I was assigned one last night at about twelve thirty a.m. All right, <laughs> and that's serious. Can and, you do a mock draft for us? I'm uh, like, uh, it's twelve thirty and we're at prime. <laughs> but I guess so. Yeah. Post haste. So, so keep an eye out for the Matt Money Smith yeah. mock. But right you could now, ask the coaches while you're in prime. <laughs> All right, they're there. Um, looking at Lance's 1.0, and we go up to what five? I, I'm only going to go to three. I like that. That's an alpha move. I've got one coming after the combine, though. Loser. So this one is just kind of a whatever mock. Right. I do mine after the draft. Yeah, it's Love always. It. Love it. So I shouldn't get uh, – sometimes I worry. I, I still have nightmares about the Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel draft. Uh, when I see Evan Neal, Alabama tackle, number one, is, is that telling me this isn't going to be a fun draft? Or is he just such a great fit for the Jags <laughs> that that's where we start? And there's still plenty of fun players to get to as we go through this adventure. I don't know I would call this draft fun, Bob. Uh, <laughs> this is not what I would call a fun draft. I think it's a draft unnecessary. This draft is like when your grandma would buy you socks. You need the socks. Need them. You know, you need the, the notebook paper or whatever. Way to sell but, it, Lance. But this Dang. is this is <laughs> socks and notebook paper. This this draft is about things you need. I can't wait for this thing to start. <laughs> like, I'm not saying this I'm not saying there are not luxury items that are available sure. to be had in this draft. I'm just saying when you start having tackles that are slotted number one, it's a nuts and bolts draft based on need at the top. And that's what this is. And I think the the flashy stuff comes in the middle of the, like I actually think the top five or six, the fun stuff to me begins in, in like the middle of the first round is when a lot of the, the fun stuff happens. And I think there's some really high upside players to be had in the second and third rounds of the draft. And so while, you know, we're not going to have the, the headliner for migrating scale 7.0 or higher, what I think we have is we happen to have for, for hardcore football fans and draft people, 
there's some really intriguing talent in this draft. It just happens to live in rounds two through four, I think, the most intriguing. Yeah, but the Fisher and Jokel year, people weren't that high on them then. They weren't. No. Like, that was, like, people said, and they were right going into that draft, this might be one of the worst drafts we've ever seen, and it turned out to be. Almost no one uh, out of the top 15 made an impact uh, in that draft. But they, I don't get the feel that that's the case in 2022 no, at all. No, it's just people, not as many headliners. People like they, they like Neil. He's giant. He's, yeah. he's nimble. He's going to be fine. Gonna and, test good. And they have and they have a quarterback. Eventually. You know. And I think if look if if put it this way, if Nick Bosa were coming out this year and he was the number one pick, would you be like, is there sizzle there? It's not a quarterback, but yes. it's a you know yes. Yeah, there there would be. And I think so. You need pass rushers. You need guys that will protect against those pass rushers, and you need quarterbacks. That's that is the foundation of football success. So in the case of the Jaguars. They need someone to protect their number one pick who got wrecked last year, and it just, it, it's the way it lines up. And, you know, when you don't have a quarterback there, it's hard to trade out. You just, you're not going to get enough value, I think, that's to it. trade back. And that's kind of where you then maybe start talking about the notebook paper socks sort of character <laughs> of, the, of the draft. Yeah, and, and that's why the Texans, you know, the guy to me that's the most fun in this whole draft is a safety. And, and that's not typically going to be something that sizzles. But how often do you have a guy who's 6'4", who's going to grow into a 230-pound frame, who can play as a linebacker over a tight end like a, you know, like, like a guy like Travis Kelsey, a guy who can play on the back end like he's a single high safety or someone who can play in the box. He's a freight train as a hitter. Um, he is a talented cover man. He's a really he's, – he's a good football, high football character guy, a guy who's going to be good in the locker room. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. He's Kyle Hamilton. Right. Right. Thank thank yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it was the buildup. <laughs> no, and you yeah. have a mock to the Jets at four, and yeah. I think I took – you know, our team took uh, – our team. Jamal Adams, number six. We talked about last night at dinner. Isaiah Simmons, another hybrid guy that maybe hasn't fulfilled expectations, but this guy's different. I He's just, a safety. Isaiah Simmons was right. becoming a lot. Kyle Hamilton's going to play Kyle's safety. a big safety. He's like if Dave, if you went all the way back to like David Fulcher. I mean, he's an old school 220-plus pound hitter who happens to be a great athlete and who's diverse enough to cover. So I think, you know, from a sizzle standpoint, safeties don't typically do it. But when you watch his – I showed you last night, Dan, some of the oh, hits yeah. that he has. He's a real dude now. He will come up and smack you, but he's also versatile. So, I've got him dude. as my highest-rated player in this draft. The thing wow. is, you're not drafting safeties first. That like, is that's a true story, by the way, Ricky. Uh, yes, uh, we were having dinner in the middle of our that's main That's how course. our dinners happen. <laughs> Dan was eating his chicken fried chicken yes. with jalapeno gravy. And, uh, and Lance And says, I said, Dan, I think like, you need to see this <laughs> What did you say? Bite. You said, uh, watch this. I'm going to search. Kyle Hamilton hits like a train. <laughs> and <then laughs> yes. Twitter, the phone, Lance. And there was the, uh, Boom. the video of And he was laying out, dude, the like a yeah. video game. And I had yes. audio over it. I put it in myself. I was pretty proud of that. That was pretty nice. And then we had, push a, draft. Push a T. we had a hot draft argument between us about whether or not he'd be available at four. Yeah. He might be, he's probably the best player in the draft, and maybe the Texans mm. take him at three just because he's that Derwin James kind of difference maker that can really remake a defense. I think Greg and I missed the event of <laughs> yes, the year listen. here, potentially. I, I have a man crush already. <laughs> Mark's <laughs> level of uh, annoyance is rising. I, I know. I, I, I am starting to With do my homework. comedian I feel also good. waiting on us. So <laughs> yes. You did miss quite a, a I, soiree. I can tell. I can tell. I'll, like, I'll uh, attempt to Mark, make up for it tonight. Mark's rage index and Greg's masculinity index both going up like this. <laughs> Why? What is do you suggest? Vin, Vin diagram now? <laughs> right. Mark wanted nothing more than to be left alone for dinner last night, and he was. So he I was. think everyone got what they wanted. I got what I – I do what I want, and that's what I want. That's how that unfolded. Speaking of alpha yeah. male, 
Um, you got Kenny Pickett, 11, uh, Lance. Yeah. Obviously, let me ask you this way. Kenny Pickett's in last year's draft, which was much more fruitful quarterback-wise. Is he a uh, top 25 first-round pick? No. No. Um, he is in the discussion with Davis Mills, and he goes ahead of Davis Mills. Kenny Pickett would have been the for sure next guy up. I think he would have been drafted ahead of Kyle Trask. So, I think Kenny so he Pickett, would have been a sixth quarterback. He would have been a second-round pick. Yes, he would have been a second-round pick. I think he would have been a top. Another huge selling point for this draft. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would have been a top 40 um a top forty pick. So that, wait, I mean, but that's don't you think? Bad. Like I know we're we're looking at mocks and everything. It, it's early for that. Who who do you think in the pre-draft process? Because there's always a quarterback that rises has a chance to for everyone to fall in love with. Because it seems like that the tape heads just think Malik Willis's ceiling is going to be higher, and that he seems like the logical guy that is going to go way higher than anyone. Uh, is projecting at least in January and February. Well, I think he is because – but it's not because of anything on tape. His tape's not all that good, to be honest with you. I mean, three different games with three interceptions. Um, the second half of the year was really terrible, uh, frankly. his it, it wasn't good. But the thing is, he has rare size, arm strength. His arm talent's like Jay Cutler arm talent, which is really, really high. I know Jay Cutler's for some reason – Kind of a bad word now, but Jake Cutler was ridiculously talented coming out and could throw the ball from slots and, and platforms that, that other people couldn't. And then he is – what he is is he is a better runner than Jalen Hurts. And this is my thing. Like, I started thinking about – this came to me when I was writing up Lamar Jackson back in uh, 18. Like a diamond bullet right between the eyes. <laughs> I said, you know, Lamar – Here I was sitting in it. Hit so here I was, 2018. I'm at my grandmother's house in Kansas writing up Lamar Jackson. Wearing the socks you gave As you. it were. And yeah. then what happened was I started thinking, you know, yeah, Lamar's completion percentage. And I realized I just watched the Astros win a World Series completely legally and fairly. <laughs> Don't start. And, and I thought – you know, one of the things in baseball, they care less about strikeouts now, and they care a lot more about home runs. And when you think of it that way, Lamar Jackson's a home run hitter who's going to strike out some. But you live with the strikeouts because you get the home runs. And when you look at when you look at it that way, Malik Willis's flaws that he has right now, you can never go wrong with a guy who's who is an elite runner. And he's an elite runner because even when they don't throw the ball, they find ways to beat you. And I mean, he is a really fantastic runner. Not to Lamar's level, but just below it. And then from an arm talent standpoint, I think he has better potential than Lamar Jackson as as a thrower. But Lamar was more consistent coming out of Louisville, so that's why but they yeah. built their entire team around Lamar. Like that's the that's yeah. the problem. So if you draft Malik Willis, are you going to make that kind of commitment? One or two? Is there a bridge? Like that's why the free agency process and like what we heard today was such so depressing for those of us that want to see franchise quarterback movement. It sounds like we're not going to get any of it. So I think that's kind of where that, – that's why, like, to me there is some interest because it does feel like mm-hmm. this group of people likes Pickett. This group of people likes Willis. I think there's a group of people that like Matt Corral the most out of all these quarterbacks that feel like he's kind of the athletic, he's got great arm talent. So, like, that to me is – that does add some intrigue. Well, I don't know where sizzle. guys are going. I've and just, that's the thing. I don't know if they're going to go in the first I round, just though. wrote an article for NFL.com. They, every year that's it's the same article. They plug a different quarterback. Here are the potential fits for Tua. Here yeah. are the potential fits for Willis. But the thing that I found when I was writing it, with Tua, I had like three or four guys, and then that with three or four teams, and that was it. With Willis, I, I, I don't know. 
I mean, mm. my leaders in the clubhouse were Washington and Pittsburgh, and then just below that in a different level. You have Pittsburgh trading up for See, for I, think, I think if he falls, I think Pittsburgh would consider trading up because I think that Kevin Colbert wants – I think it's a very interesting storyline to see if Colbert in his last draft – does what Ozzy did in his last draft. We for asked Baltimore. him about it on the show yesterday. And with his whether thoughts? he felt any pressure, uh, he, he didn't. He gave really, us very little. He information laughed at the question the and then didn't yeah. didn't really answer. No, you it. Because you're cute. You want to laugh at a yeah. question? <laughs> Try this one out for size. Yeah. Ready? Would you rather have any of these quarterbacks in the draft or Mitchell Trubisky? Oh, that's a Oh, God. Gross. That's that, a, that is that's, an awful destiny. What is happening? We've avoided Socks the weird. I saw your tweet earlier. I did it just to twist your nipples a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I asked him the question. It's like, what happened? Like, Mitchell Trubisky didn't play a year, and then everyone who never gave up on the Mitchell Trubisky could actually be good has come storming it's, back it's this troubling. off season. What? Ryan it's like, hey, pumping his hey, fist. hey, I don't want to have to answer it. It's like he'll, <laughs> ma- <laughs> answer it. Like he'll, he'll answer. marry your Look. daughter while throwing for 6.3 yards per attempt. Yes, he will. Um, now, his you know, it's interesting because Mitchell Trubisky is almost in that Kirk Cousins level of his stats are way better than you think they are yeah. based on what people say about the guy. They were way better than I thought. I, lo- I got in an argument with my co-host on the radio, and he's like, Mitchell Trubisky's not that bad. I said, not that bad. But it's also he was the second pick of the draft. So, you know. And the Mahomes factor. And obviously. the Mahomes. Right, right. And, and that we Watson. watched him play yeah. 50 uh, games. And that by watching those games, you could see he was not nearly as no, good as those stats. No, and the stats are irrelevant. But he is the next one. Everyone has this hope for a, for a backup quarterback. And so the hope is – Maybe there's a resurrection of Mitchell Trubisky. I would rather money. I would rather have somebody from this draft. Than I'd Mitchell quicker Trubisky. wait for Jesus to come back around. Right. right. I feel like <laughs> Malik Willis might get a little bit of it. I think everyone thinks you can you can find a Josh Allen now. Like just that you can if you have that level of talent. Don't worry about some of the tape and some of the numbers and. You can build the thing around. So it. you you said well, remember something. Remember the pendulum swung away from that for a minute. Everybody right, was like, right. "We got to stop basing this on trades. We got to look but, at accuracy and make." But coming up. off of these playoffs, 100%. especially when he looked like the best player. But I'd remember ever when seen. it was back to back, small quarterbacks. When it went okay, Baker Mayfield and Baker played well that first year, and then it's like okay, Kyler Murray. We can buy into smaller quarterback from a system. We can buy into it. Now Baker has has. If you if Baker and Kyler and let's say Matt Corral was in a draft immediately preceding those two, Matt Corral would be a, a more talked about quarterback right mm. now because everyone would their subconsciously would because money money hit the point right now off the Josh Allen the year of Josh Allen Malik yeah, Willis Justin is the Herbert guy and, and Justin Herbert yeah, Malik Willis trace. is the one who fits into mm. it a little bit mm. more than Kenny Pickett. Yeah. So obviously two years ago Justin Jefferson blows up. Jamar Chase, obviously, this year. Now, we're, we're being told that this is not a draft that has that type of transcendent talent, but in our league, it's not unusual now for a rookie to pop off immediately and be a big-time player. Is there a skill player, tight end, wide receiver, that you can see stepping into the right offense and becoming a Pro Bowl player? It feels like it's a good wide receiver draft. Seems it's like it's got deep. some depth. Yeah, it's yeah. got some depth. I don't. The last two years were way deeper. I thought last year was a fantastic wide receiver draft. Um See, I think Chris Olave is a guy who can work all three levels of the field and can be a possession guy, a touchdown guy, a speed guy. He strikes me as one that could do that. I think, um, you know, Jameson Williams 100% could have been if he were healthy. So for, you know, fantasy football guys, from a dynasty standpoint, you obviously want to want to keep him in mind. But 
I, I don't think – I think Garrett Wilson is going to take a little longer than some people think because he has a hard time getting off press, and that's the first thing you have to learn to do in the NFL, and sometime, sometimes it takes time. And I don't know what Money's thoughts are on this because you're you're on the West Coast watching Pac-12. That's what I – you know, I, I talked to a scout on the West Coast who loves him, and I don't see a guy who I think runs very fast. I don't see a guy who separates. But for me as an evaluator, I watched DeAndre Hopkins just murder the league, and you could have said similar 100%. things. But I thought he was a little bit more sudden uh, with some of his movements. And so I don't know where to, to place a six foot five receiver who wins all the jump balls. He's, like He's just so explosive. I mean, I think that's the thing is the juice doesn't show up. But, like, what's the old Marty Schottenheimer line? He's, he's going to be eating Doritos off your head. I mean, that's what Drake London I is. saw a dunk the he's, other day. I oh, saw a windmill dunk. And I was like, like okay. That's what I'm saying. He's I got am, that kind of I immediately wanted body. to go rewrite the, the scouting report because yeah. I said, okay, I better – I need to go put that magic word I think explosive. he's going to show out. Yeah. I need to put explosive How about this wide receiver? I was listening to him today. He is someone that grew up watching westerns with his great-grandparents. The Good, Bad, and the Ugly was one of the first movies he ever saw. He's He uh, had a huge game against Alabama. He spent times hunting. He hunted pigs with a knife. Traylon Burks. This Arkansas, is my dude. Yeah. yeah um, hey, I'm looking at Mark's notes. I, Just in case he forgot, he put in green highlighted words next to Traylon Burks, man crush. Love it. <laughs> he just seems to like, fit in that no sweet spot in the middle. No one was ever supposed to see that document. He didn't, he didn't trust himself to remember that. but it just, He was like number one on a bunch of lists at the start of this whole process. He's still reason, number he's, one. He's no, still your number one guy? People who don't have him what? number one, they don't know what they're doing. See, you got the right Traylon Burks, you We're got good. the right crush. Good. Okay. A, I didn't know he liked. I didn't know he hunted a hog with his bare hands and a knife. That's so awesome. I just raised him to number four on my <laughs> list. Uh, so thank you for that information. That's, by the way, the next thing Greg will be doing as his alpha male tendencies <laughs> ramp up. Yeah. Let's yeah. not lose control on that front. <laughs> now, the Western things, I'm going to back him back down a little bit. But uh, Traylon Burks is like six, he's 225-ish pounds is what he's going to be. He's He's got more wiggle than A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is his comp, but he's got more wiggle. He's phenomenal with the ball in his hands. He's tremendously competitive, but he's a physical specimen. Like A.J. Brown, when you see A.J. out there, and everyone comes up with the same comp, A.J. Brown. Because when you see him, guys who are 225 pounds who play like he does, it, you don't see a lot of those guys in the league. But he's not somebody who played in a slot. Now, he played a lot in the slot for Arkansas because that's the way they wanted to get him the ball as quickly as possible and said, go, Traylon, go. And uh, he is – you've got the right man crush. To me, he is far and away the best wide receiver mm. in this draft. Mm. Far and away. How's that for sizzle? It's good. Uh, well, how about you, I buddy? I like it. Who's the guy that you have a man crush on? I have on? bias. I always have bias, <laughs> you know? I mean, when wide receivers, I like Drake London. I'm biased. I like that I, I, I fight for the West Coast. We don't get enough attention when it comes to college football conversation. Yet California produces the best players. It drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> Burks is impressive. I mean, he's 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 going to be all muscly, and people are going to get excited. He's going to put up big numbers. Um, the tight end group is good. Who am I going to mention? He, Greg Dulcich, because it's the West Coast. West Coast. I mean, but he's going to run really fast. He's going to run crazy fast. So, is there anyone in the next couple of days? You know, we're taping this before the, mm-hmm. you know, the combine events start that you think will just like become the story because of what they put out there. Well, I think Greg is one of Greg Dulcich is one of those guys from UCLA because DJ's getting hot on him now, and so it's going to roll downhill because DJ's going to be talking about him a lot. He's going to run really fast. And then tell you're us how s- that bothers you. You're going <laughs> to. I mean, listen, he says DJ. It with disdain. Listen. DJ Listen. deserves all the, the credit he gets, yeah. but 
the thing is, a lot of people, he has to step on a lot of people's backs to get all the way. Wow. Like, no, he's no, the wholesome no, assassin. Wow, listen, I that? know, I know. He Did you see him come in today with the sweater just to give it a little like, uh-huh. hey, it's just me, guys. Just to, And I know he's got beef with you guys, I assume. Uh, sure. That. I'm going to take off hey. my headset. And while you, you keep just, that up, just, i got to get out of you know, here. That does is he the still voice have of the Chargers, by the way. And his his uh, play-by-play man now, listen, is I, hey. I, I love DJ. We we DJ. go back and forth on players all the time. Um, no, but he, he's done a great job. Like when he put Justin Herbert twentieth uh, in the draft, he's fantastic. <laughs> Never fails this guy. I mean, this, I mean this, it, that has got to be at least the thirtieth time you have referenced that. A bridge builder. It's, it's good, to have, it's good to have a running. But think yet. about it. Like Lance, one heartbeat away here. You are you're <laughs> yeah. almost in the big chair now. No, like, and, and, and Mayock listen, floating on the periphery. And listen, here, I wish sure it, he doesn't. I get wish back it in. wasn't you that had the chicken fried steak with cream gravy. I wish it was Daniel Jeremiah that had. It. <laughs> okay, Daniel, would you like some more of this skillet bread with butter? <laughs> I'll give you a. Uh, I'll give you a name that no one's talking about, and it's because I saw him at the uh, NFLPA Bowl, and from the, I would say the first five minutes of the first practice I was at, I was like. The hell is that guy here? And it was Sam Williams of Ole Miss. And Sam is going to test it, well. He is going to test through the roof. He's going to get drafted in the third round and by the Chiefs, and everyone's going to be like, why did he slide? And you'll find so out you know, why he slid. And it's just like he is a complete freak of a defensive end. He Terrible against the run and a monster against the pass. Like, just really good. Another big tester is going to be from West Coast, Kyler Gordon. from. So, yeah. Trent McDuffie's going to test well. Kyler Gordon, I don't know if you know his background. Do you? Where's your? Do you have notes on him? That uh, are you know, I did, but it's in a, fi- a different file oh, back the, at the, the hotel. The Wi-Fi yeah. went down. Yeah. Listen, Cecil, get your. Yeah. <laughs> let's get your um, highlighter out here. He was a he was a dancer, and when I say dance, like like at eight years of age, they said they believed he was going to be a Broadway dancer. Mm-hmm. That's how like a stage dancer. He was heavily involved in, in kung fu. <laughs> he was heavily feet. involved in kung fu as well. Right in the and, stand. He will also knock your face off. He's going to jump about 42 inches vertical. So, dancer, kung fu. Uh-huh. That sounds man crush worthy. Right. Yeah. So, yeah um, when you said Broadway, I thought you were going to say the Bolshoi, and then all of a sudden Broadway <laughs> came out, and I was like, Broadway? No, Bolshoi. No, it could have been either one. I wasn't this sure is how talented he was. The Texans have their men. All right. Men, excellent. Uh, gave us a nice taste, getting us on our feet a little bit as we try to figure out and navigate this. Follow, obviously, Lance and Money all over NFL Network and the dot-com throughout this process. And uh, The app. Thanks Don't forget for ta- the app, you know. The app, of course. A lot of, a lot of action on the app Check for out us the this app. week. That's right. Money, thank you for taking care of me on the way out of the, at Prime We'll do it night. again tonight. Sounds good. And, uh, Lance, you're a hero. And the, the Astros did cheat. The Astros did cheat. Let's stop. We're it. leaving. Listen. No, yeah. we're not. We're getting one more. <laughs> All right. Here it comes. Are you, you sure? Did, you you should have said no because I probably wanted to put up a fight. But anyway, then you got that story. So yes. you got your money's worth. All right. Thank you. Lance, money. There they go. Those men are educated on the topic at hand. Well, even if they weren't, we wouldn't know. I mean, they're able to sell it, but we don't. I have no idea what. <laughs> right, they, it would have been you know. funny if, they, if if they just decided before the segment we're just going to throw out fake names, just snow us and under. And we wouldn't have stopped them. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, uh, Kyle Kurbowski. Like what, you look a little a, closer at the URL of his mock draft, and it's not actually NFL.com. <laughs> it's like MFL.com. I was like, oh no, uh, no, that was good though. It's it's interesting. Um, when you start to kind of dig in and get excited with the mock drafts, with your teams and whatnot. By the way, what do you want for the Patriots to come out of the first round of the draft? I haven't thought about that. I guess a wide receiver. You Just because they keep, they keep messing it up. And they it, one thing 
Yeah, I was thinking about talking with Lance and, and Money. It's like if you're a GM, you should just draft wide receivers. The last two years, if you've drafted a wide receiver in the first three rounds, almost all of them have been incredible and better than their draft pick except for Nikhil Harry. <laughs> like literally almost everyone has outperformed their draft pick. You got like Terry McLaurin in the third round. You got a million different people and they've all like been drafted too late. Like all the receivers the are Patriots good. Patriots have done except a bad for job. Nikhil Harry. They've I'll done a bad job with wideouts for ages. And I'll raise you a Denzel Mims. It's not. He was fine. He's been fine. Not always. He has but not been my fine. point that the hit rate's been high. <laughs> the receivers have yes, been no, great. Absolutely right. And uh, they need him. So that would that would make me most excited. Right. Dan, well, I've, well, I do have a question though. You, yeah. you, uh, the whole dinner thing. Did you come home to a bag full of um, Shake Shack that you ate at a later time? You had already purchased a nice dinner. Listen, a lot of mistakes were made last night. And all I can tell you is I paid for all of it in the morning. <laughs> all right. But again, the true measure of a man, the true measure of a man as a, a, a broadcaster, as a pro in this city this time of year is do you rise to the occasion the next day? Or do you stay and pull the curtains closed and call out sick? So what time were you? As a young uh, journo, we- I witnessed some things early on in the combines before I even knew you guys that I was amazed by the performances of, of some people. Much it had a much right. tougher schedule than we do, put yeah. it that way. Well, sometimes exactly it has been us, though, I mean, in the past, just to be totally accurate. Yes. But. So, no, that was it. That was that was a tough night. And uh, but we have recovered and I'm looking forward for our final evening in Indianapolis. It's a lot of fun here, and uh, I do hope that we will be back uh, eventually down the line, but it's been a fun ride here in Indy. Probably not next year, but I expect to be back, and if we're away one or two years, that'll only make it sweeter. Like, this year is a little sweeter after after missing. Greg is a little wind-up doll that the league is going to love his answer. It's just It's just, I mean, this is the best place to do it, but they're going to change the game on us. That's what's happening. I like my job, because if you don't, it takes up all of your day, and then you just don't like life. I, I still find the answer lacking authenticity, <laughs> but that's we can move forward. All right, so that's it from Indy. Um, however, uh, we have one more show coming this week. It's the Free Agency 101 special, Greg's annual list on .com, and we are going to pull it apart like putty, then light it on fire, then get a, an extinguisher out, hose it down, and then mold it back together. Keep it safe. Put it right back on the shelf where it was originally. I'd like to do a 2.0. I thought about that for the first time, actually. Interesting. Why because not? Because I immediately I, – I had some people responding to the 101, you know, and some people I trust, uh, multiple people. And I immediately was like, oh, yeah, well, they're right. I should I should move him up or down. And it's <laughs> right. like I would li- I would like to. I have more information like, now. Like Teddy Bridgewater somehow being about no, that, 70 spots higher no, than Andy Dalton. That's, uh, <laughs> like there's that much difference between Teddy Bridgewater – and Andy Dalton. Save it. Save it. Uh, save it for Friday. Yeah, just it. so now you know it's coming, baby. Like a freight train. I can't believe what you said to Lance, by the way. Lance, let's go. You barked at him. I mean, no one, unless you have some sort of, like, <laughs> fragile ego is going to take that personally. It, it was just like telling him, um, let's do it. Let's go. Well, you're, the, you're the former boss who sometimes forgets that you're the former boss. You don't bark at a – he's a coworker of yours, and when you say that nobody, nobody on the planet would be offended by that, I think, I'm Greg, not, that's you. I'm you saying have, you're misreading the entire If someone is offended, room. that's um, their problem. Oh, you're pulling the old I'm sorry if you were offended card. It's I'm not, not an I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> hey, listen, on this one. This is what Dan and I were dealing with for <laughs> half a decade, just to let the listener know. All right, thank you, everybody, for listening. See you Friday. Uh, until then, this is 
the old Zeuser, the old boss, and old Mark Sessler with Ricky Hollywood. Till Friday, you know what to do. Heed the call.